So today, as part of our podcast series, which is powered by Upside Global, we have the honor to interview Matt Misnex, CEO of Living Cities. So Matt, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Great. So Matt, what I want to talk to you about today was first talk about your background, and then we'll talk about your startup, Living Cities. Then I'd love to get your take on the metaverse space, as well as your plan for the next 12 months. How does it sound? Sounds great. Great. So Matt, so uh, just to begin with, could you tell us about your background and how you ended up uh, launching your company, Living Cities? Yeah, um, well, going way back, I, I started um, started working professionally in tech like 30 something years ago, bringing um, you know PCs and you know, Macs and things online with the first wave of internet. Um, then I spent a decade or so working for the company that invented the mobile web browser, bringing sort of all mobile and smartphones online to the internet. And at the end of that, I was thinking, what comes after the phone? You know, what are these trends around natural interfaces and, and sensing and, and basically became convinced that what we're calling augmented reality or XR, you know, was that next wave. And you yeah. know, my background was always in software. And so I spent, you know, 10 years or so working with different AR startups, um, yeah. you know, some, some time at Samsung, company that failed, you know, utterly. And then uh, I started a company called 6D.ai, which was- I do remember that, yeah. Quite mm -hmm. by Niantic a um, couple of years ago. And what we were doing at 6D was really trying to build on a insight that for, you know, for software to really, really understand the real world, um, it needed some sense of you know what's in the world. This sort of a three D map, I guess, of everything. Yeah. And sixty um, sort of built some software to kind of capture computer vision software to capture that data. And my new company, Living Cities, was really built on watching the trend in trends in computer vision around capturing you know the real world in a in a photorealistic way. Yeah. Um, trends in things like game engines and virtual cinema production, meaning that stuff that used to be very expensive and needed custom hardware for like AAA films, you know, was now available off the shelf to, you know, regular programmers. Yeah. And um, a shift in behavior that I saw with my kids, I got 13, 14 year old boys. And during the pandemic, like all of their online socializing was happening inside 3D worlds. Like Roblox type experiences? Roblox, Fortnite, Minecraft, you know, whatever, whatever one they're into at that moment. Well, I tell you, my, my daughter was like nine, nine years old. Mm -hmm. She did exactly what you said. When, when COVID started and she has a tablet, right? Yep. She would do that a good chunk of her time during the day. Um, yeah. She would show me like, Hey, this is my house. This is my kitchen. Do you like it? And I was totally. like, this is incredible. Yep. I know. And I, I started noticing my boys doing things. These products weren't meant for, like they were, all standing around like 20 Fortnite characters all standing around in the same outfits and they were they were having a fashion show and you know yeah. like showing off their emotes to each other and voting and yeah they arranged exchanging of Christmas gifts inside Minecraft with their friends where they'd all made things for each other and yeah doing homework you know homework study groups inside Roblox and and I realized that these you know these sort of products weren't really um just games anymore they were social platforms and combined with you know my background in sort of capturing reality um i started to think well what happens if if that type of you know that type of user experience was overlaid on top of 
you know, reality, if Fortnite kind of looked like Google Earth, you know, what would, what would that mean? Yeah. And that sort of insight there around, you know, taking a, a copy, a photorealistic copy of a real place and then allowing, you know, the people that are really there, like physically there, to interact with the people that are present virtually in the metaverse. So are, are, are you saying that you're kind of taking a Roblox concept and you're bringing this to augmented reality into the real world? Is that what? No, not even, not even, I mean, it, it can work with augmented reality, but it's mainly going to work just on the PC or phone. Like it'll just, just open your screen and there's a, you know, what looks like Google Earth. It looks like a photo real, you know, representation of a real place. Yeah. Except that now you can drop, you know, characters in there, your avatars in there, and they can move around and oh, each other and do whatever they need to do. Um, but if you're also, if you do happen to physically be in a place, you'll show up, you know, also in that same place virtually as you are physically. Interesting. And, and what, what demographics, what audience are you guys looking to target? And yeah. Young demographics, older demographics? Definitely younger. I, I think that this, you know, this idea really has like, you know, most of the stuff in the metaverse has, you know, infinite use cases and ways yeah. that it can be applied, but it's, it's finding that sort of initial wedge to get traction. And that means either looking at, you know, enterprise type use cases where you can show a, a really, you know, interesting ROI or, yeah. um, you know, going for consumers, which is, which is where we're starting. And um, that means looking for the consumers who are kind of, one generation younger than you know snapchat or millennials and so yeah kind of puts us at sort of college age you know is uh, today's college age kids and that's that's who we're going to be targeting and, and and could you so which segment are you looking to target are you looking more to target the consumer space yeah uh, consumer maybe some space. teams to help them build an experience for the teams and the fans uh for yeah, entertainment yeah, we're looking at consumer social as that first use case. Yeah, um, that's sort of our product that we're taking to market. Yeah, um, but in terms of you know the sort of stuff you're working with with you know sports teams and things, we've also been reached out, we've had reach out from places that have got I'll describe them as like interesting and popular physical locations. Yeah, um, whether that's a concert venue or a theme park or you know that type of place. Yeah. Um, where there are events, you know, and events with kind of a limited physical capacity. Yeah. And places want to open up these, you know, these real world places for, for people to experience them virtually who can't be there physically. And that's and it's funny you said that because I'll give you a statistics. Um, and I think it's a public stats. 90% uh, of the PSG fan in Paris, 90%. Yep. Are, are fans from internationally that have yeah. never been to the stadium never yep yep so it's striking right because you yeah it is that. it is i mean it doesn't surprise me in, in some ways because we've had had conversations like this with a, a number of you know organizations and they're they're all the same and yeah the you know there's all these companies doing like live events inside the metaverse right now like you know inside yeah. concerts inside Fortnite. Roblox did none. that right with paris hilton and yep right yeah. Totally. But none of those virtual places feel like the real place. You know, they're kind of these very low visual fidelity or, or completely artificial places. Yeah, you're what right. We're, what we're really working to do is how do you capture the, the spirit of the place? Yeah. And 
part of that is a very, very high visual fidelity. And, and we've found a way to, to deliver that to like low-end devices. Yeah. And then bringing a whole lot of live data feeds, you know, from a physical place into the metaverse. So, I mean, simple things like accurate weather and time of day and sunlight and all that stuff so that, you know, so that it looks correct. But then there's things like, you know, the wind and things blowing around, but even to the point of, you know, depending on permissions and things, you know, we can bring live people, you know, into the metaverse as well. So that Interesting. In theory, if there was a, if there was a, a game going on on the field, yeah. um, you know, with, with the right cameras around the, around the field, we could bring a, a volumetric 3D representation of that, of that game or that concert, whatever it is, and then render it in real time, you know, inside the, the virtual. Copy. I see. So the people that say a PSG fan in Japan could go into your uh, metaverse, well, your experience yep. and see the, the game in, in 3D almost, right? Yeah, um, totally in 3D, yeah. Interesting. And so uh, you say you're talking, you know, you've been approached, it sounds like, by some teams. Um, no, not, not by any sports companies at this the point. Venues. The only and it, the entertainment venues basically yeah theme parks and concerts yep that makes sense i mean m many of the i mean obviously the teams right they they do play at venues they yeah. have concerts they they run they have games at yep. the same venue right so exactly. uh, it's run by the same people most of the time yeah um so could you and i understand you guys want to target you know it's going to be a consumer play at the beginning uh, but from a, a business standpoint or business model standpoint, uh, do you, can you share your thoughts on how you guys plan to monetize the experience? Yeah, the interesting thing is that with, with the tech we've, I mean, firstly, the reason we're building a consumer product is, you know, I've definitely learned that over my career, if you've, if you've developed some innovative technology, um, you really can't rely on other people to, to figure out what that technology should be used for. Yeah. Um, you need to kind of do it yourself. So yeah. we're building our consumer product so that we, you know, do it ourselves. And, you know, it's, it's why we're not doing a, you know, a B2B play, you know, although, you know, there's interest. So it's B2C, um, basically, B2C. So we're going B2C because we need to, you know, dog food our own technology in, in that sense. Yeah. We need. And um, one of the interesting aspects of the tech is, is that it's entirely web-based, or it, it will be. Yeah. And that means we're able to... On any browser, a... then you just power your computer and you go yeah, on your any PC. Yeah. Um, and um, the, you know, the, the opportunity there is to leverage a lot of the, the you know, Web3 and crypto you know, philosophies and, and some of the technologies yeah. Yeah. and actually build some utility into, you know, some economic utility into the platform where... Mm -hmm you you know you basically treat it as a private currency inside the venue and that can also then be exchanged into you know real currency if you want to so we're not looking at it as like oh here's a you know here's a jpeg that you can speculate on financially it's more a case of look here's a here's a frequent flyer you know reward program oh that's interesting currency. you know it's your own currency but you can then exchange that back out for real world rewards or you know cash depending on, you know, depending on the policies you want to put in place. Interesting. So you will work with the, the, the brands, the, the, so Eventually, you have like yeah. product placement it's, or is that? 
uh, at some point I can see all that happening, but for now we're just really working on how do you get, like in, in Roblox, like how do you get consumers to entertain each other yes. and how do you encourage them to sort of trade and, you know, buy and sell from each other, like virtual goods as well as physical goods. Yeah. And from there we can, you know, we can open up to third parties, whether that's, you know, brands Makes or sense. other vendors. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, and what's your timeline to go live? Is it by next year or? Okay. Yeah, I'd say next year. We'll definitely be in testing this year. Um, yeah. You know, closed beta and you know, private testing. Um, we haven't set a date for a you know big public launch at, at this point. We're but I'll tell you, my, I think my I would be my daughter would be interested. I would be I would be interested in being a beta yeah, tester. Thanks. But so um, yeah, but um, so let me ask you. So obviously, there's been a lot of hype about the NFT and especially the metaverse space. Yeah, uh, there's a lot in, in our case, right? We work with lots of teams. Some teams are like the Brave in baseball. They experimented. They launched kind of a, a I would call it like a Fortnite type experience mm -hmm. inside their baseball stadium. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of teams trying new things right now. Yeah. Uh, what is your take on the metaverse space and especially the virtual virtual metaverse experiences that the one I mentioned with the the Brave? Yeah. So. I mean, the metaverse is kind of whatever you want it to mean at the moment. Yeah. Um, I, I definitely believe that the combination of, you know, 3D spaces and, you know, Web3, you know, economics um, yeah. is the future of, of where computing interfaces are going. Um, but we're some way away from that, you know, everyone living in the matrix type of, type of thing so yeah i think the, the trick when you look at the metaverse is is really to say look what's what's going to be successful like this year and next year and the following year and will be different things you know in those years and yeah if you aim too far ahead you'll just you know you'll be too early but right and you'll you know you'll fail yeah. and you know if you're too late then you're kind of not viewed as being innovative and you don't really get much you know you missed the you missed the the is the way the train yeah. yeah yeah so um you know we're looking very much at you know for instance we're not really focused at all on headsets either ar or vr i think you're 100 right on that one yep. yeah well you know we, we can support them and we're ready for them and we'll do you know demos and things on, on headsets but yeah um, we definitely expect our customer base is going to come from you know regular phone browsers and you know yeah. pc browsers. um i think that you know, the Web3 aspect of the metaverse is very um, immature beyond, you know, there's a lot of financial speculation that well, I guess had been going on, um, but the real utility use cases are still in the early days of figuring out what they are. And there's the potential there is, is amazing. Yeah. And in the virtual places, you know, the thing, the thing I've found interesting that's been possible for living cities that hasn't been possible for anyone in the past is just that combination of, um, you know, we learned at 6D, if you're going to tell someone that this is a virtual copy of a real place, and this yeah. applies to your thing with the Braves too, we look, you know, we talk to so many people about this in terms of how do you capture things. And if you're telling someone that's a virtual copy of a real place, it needs to feel like the real place, not just, yes. not just look like an empty 3D model of the real place. Yeah. And that, it needs to look real. It needs to look real. 
That's why it's needs to not just not just look real. It needs to feel real. So that yeah. that's where you need to get lighting and weather and you know sort of things that are being updated. Um, you know, in, in close to real time, that it, it actually is alive. You know, it yeah. isn't just a, a static thing. Yeah. Um, you know, there's so many metaverses, metaverse, you know, virtual spaces right now that are just empty. You know, virtual worlds. And what I couldn't agree about? more. I mean, we you know we we presented. Uh, we had a kind of a readout on the trends in the metaverse, our, our NFT metaverse committee that we have with yeah. big clubs. And it feels very early on, very, very early. And I think the, the, it's, it doesn't look that exciting. I mean, it, it's, it's almost like playing a video game, but that's really it, right? Yeah, yeah, I know. So that's, that's literally what we are um, you know, focusing on. And I think, I think most people will be very astounded at the at the quality that we're able to you know that, that feeling we're able to to get that's really a step above and beyond anything that's come before yeah and you know the reason isn't just to go wow look at these graphics aren't they pretty it, it's more to get exactly that sense of wow this feels like i'm here like i'm i'm not just in a, a roblox or a minecraft copy of madison square garden you know i'm actually feels like it like the sound yeah. and the atmosphere and the visuals and the lighting and everything is is right and um, yeah and in sync with the real place i mean it's why we it's literally why we called the company living cities you know is because it's that it's that bring it to life you know is is the um is the magic well i mean it, it sounds exciting just by listening to you uh metaverse 2.0 right because the metaverse 1.0 right now it's it's you know it's what people said we've done ten years ago, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, so, but you need to get to the next level, and that's why that's what what sounds like you guys are working on. So we're working on it. I mean, a lot of a lot of other people are too, and a lot of people are focused on one hundred percent virtual environments, like you yeah. know, just a fantastical place that doesn't exist in reality. Yeah, we are. We're very you know one hundred percent focused on real places. Like, how do you bring real places online in that way? Um, Yes. And you know, how do you kind of activate them digitally? But I, that, I, the, with your experience, I want to make sure I understand. So I understand it's, you know, web-based, right? You can on any PCs. It, you, it's almost like you reconstruct the real world, right? Through your yeah. experience, right? That's that, exactly what we're doing. Yeah, that, that reconstruction of the real world in very high visual fidelity is, is kind of the, the, the sort of technical core of what we're doing. Yeah, and, 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 and do you feel like, because we've done a lot of research and studies, we publish stuff on the metaverse, we talk to clubs about their point of view on that, and all the studies, most of the study that we see today is the people who gravitate around like Fortnite, Roblox, these are young demographics, right? And yep. I think the challenge for the clubs is, because the clubs have some very young fans, but most of the, the, the soccer fans, for example, in Europe, they're like 40, 50, 30, 40, 50 years old, right? Yeah. They're not going to go and spend hours and hours on a PC playing Fortnite and stuff like that, right? So how do you build an experience that's appealing to those all the, all the demographics of the, of the, the clubs, right, the fans? Um, I, I don't know if you can. Like, if you try and please everyone, you'll, you'll generally please no one. Yeah. Um, I think the trick is to, is to very, you know, pick a, a, like, a, like the bowling pin a, a, uh, analogy where you... You need to aim for one pin and knock that over, and then that'll sort of knock the rest over. Yeah. Um, so if you build something that that is really compelling for one demographic, 
yeah. you'll probably find that then you can expand into you know older demographics as well. Yeah. Um, you know, we we definitely think that the the familiarity of a real place and the history of a real place, if that comes through in the digital place, then you know, people that aren't as comfortable online or aren't as native online will feel a lot more, you know, familiar in, in, yeah. in that environment. But at the same time, it's it's gonna take a while for um, you know that generation to just get comfortable with any new technology at all. Yeah, but I, but I would say this though: the the younger demographics that might start on your platform, they will become adults someday, right? Yeah, so, totally. And uh, you can so, right? and you can go after younger demographics who aren't that interested in soccer at the moment, for you know, for example, and pull them in with a new experience. You yeah. Know, you, we saw how successful Netflix was with their Drive to Survive Formula One series. Yeah, that, oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. Just I, I, a whole new demographic in, in the US that didn't, you know, had zero interest in that sport before. And so by, you know, targeting a new channel, a new media channel and doing it well, um, it's not just a matter of engaging the demographic, you know, the customers in that demographic you already have, but you can reach a much, wider new demographic or you can reach that same demographic but much wider reach into them i think you're right hope so um so uh, last question for you uh what are your plans for the next 12 months what are you trying to achieve i mean you talked a bit about that yeah like, so we're, yeah. we're at the point like today yeah you know this weekend of just getting an internal demo of the tech you know is all connected up and it kind of works yeah. Um, so the next, you know, six months will be just be iterating on the user experience and user testing and just building out all of the, you know, supporting capabilities in our in our tech. And yeah. then the six months after that will be sort of the public, you know, ramping up for the public launch. Yeah, no, that makes sense. So it's not like you've got. It's exciting. You got a lot of work to do, but that's exciting, right? Yes, a lot of work to do. <laughs> And I, I got to ask you also, I mean, I, I did mention before, uh, uh, you know, this interview that I, I've, I've talked to Dennis Crawley, Dennis, yeah. when he had dodgeball, um, so before Foursquare, right, which became a yeah. success. So uh, why did, and I kind of know the answer, but why did you decide to bring Dennis into this and to work oh. on this adventure with him? Yeah, so so my, you know, my co-founder is really a, a Dennis who, you know, who you mentioned, and uh, John Gatta, who... John did all the um, visual effects in the Matrix films, won, won the Oscar for inventing bullet time. I did see so, that, yeah. Yeah, so John just brings this amazing, you know, network and expertise in sort of making, you know, AAA cinema quality visuals and sort of yeah. what is the bleeding edge of that in, in terms of, you know, game engines and, and what are the processes and tools and people. So John's definitely helped a ton in that creative strategy um, thinking. Yeah. But Dennis's background is really how does um, software impact the real world yeah. with a really, um, you know, clear, I guess, you know, decades of, of focus on, you know, how does it touch an individual consumer in their day-to-day -day life? Yeah. And you know, how does that affect socializing in the real world and entertainment? And he's always been interested in bringing the software down to reality rather than go off into a virtual world and disappear into the software. Um, and so that, you know, Dennis is sort of heading up a product. And so he's very, very, you know, very much thinking about, look, if you had a digital copy of the real world, um, what, 
you know, specific use cases and interactions does that unlock and how does that actually help, you know, one person, you know, have a, have a better life in some way. And yeah, you know, I'm, my background is much more in the, the technology and the sort of bigger picture direction of where things are going. And um, yeah, it's really complimentary. You know, having, I mean, it's, having nice. some... it's, it's almost like a perfect fit, right? Because you come from this yeah. horizon, uh, you have different background, but they really complement each other, right? Yeah, it's been amazing. Like all of us have been looking at this, you know, problem space for 10, 20 years almost. And yeah. um, all of us from, from slightly different perspectives and it's so complimentary. And just having founders that experience just for me and as, as a CEO, it's just it's, it's great. I, they just pick it up and run with it. And it's very little for me to stress about. It sounds like, I mean, yeah, I think it's, it'll be very interesting. And I think you get credibility you know, when, when you get together from and being successful, you know, from different background, right? Um, it helps a lot. Yeah. With investors, with hiring, with customers, you know, everything there, just, you're kind of given the benefit of the doubt when, when you may not have been in the past. Yeah. Uh, that makes a lot of sense. Um, so look, we, we're, we're at the end of the interview, but I wanted to thank you for, for your time. I'm looking forward to, uh, you know, really seeing the real product and, what you guys uh, are gonna put together. So thank you for your time today. Yeah, appreciate it too. Thanks a lot. Thank you.